Is this a spiritual podcast? <laughs> sure is. You're listening to Wild and Holy Radio, the realest conversation on spirituality, finding your truth, and creating a life that honors your soul. I'm your host, Megan Hale, and together we'll grow in more faith, more love, and doing our holy work in the world. We've always been holy, and we were born to be wild. Permission to be both is granted. Happy Monday, everyone, and welcome back to Wild and Holy Radio. We're getting a little bit of a slow start this morning. You know, this pregnancy has been so incredibly different than my last I'm 30 weeks um, on Wednesday, and I'm still experiencing nausea. I'm like, what in the world is going on? When is this stuff going to go away? (laughs) So I've been kind of nursing myself this morning, and I finally have some peppermint tea, so that's helping uh, soothe the nausea a little bit. But Brock and I are going on our baby moon this week to go and spend some one-on-one time together before the second little boy arrives. And I am hoping and praying, oh my goodness, that there is no nausea on any of our flights because that is just like the worst, right? When you're in this tight little space and you feel like you need to just be sick and it's terrible. So I am going to go ahead and set an intention that this nausea, this is the last day of this whole pregnancy that I'm ever going to feel this way and that this little boy is going to come out like healthy and strong and vibrant for how sick he has made me feel this pregnancy. So, oh my goodness. Um, so our episode today, we're getting really into like the nit and gritty of, of truth and self-trust in the Wild and Holy Truth eight-week group program that I'm running right now. And there's been so many beautiful nuggets that have come up already. And we're just in week one. <clears throat> we're having our second group call tonight. And I wanted to come and share some of the nuggets that are coming up because I think that they're just so helpful and powerful for any of us who are trying to live into our fullest expression and really honor who we are to trust ourselves more so we can be braver in the world. So one of the things that I was bringing up this week in the group was really talking about like, what does holiness mean? Um, What does wholeness mean? Because these two things are so directly related. You know, it's funny, when I was first um, working on the concept of wild and holy, like earlier this year, I was looking at the root meaning of these words because sometimes it just gives a, a deeper definition or a deeper understanding of what it is that you're actually talking about or why these words have such a deeper resonance for you. And one of the interesting things that I I found when looking up um, the concept of holy is that holy actually means whole. And what was really interesting is that (laughs) it actually comes from the Scottish word hail. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is like so meant for me to do, (laughs) of helping others um, come to their wholeness. And there's such a direct link between our wholeness and holiness. And I think that there's like, there's different layers of wholeness, right? I think there's wholeness within ourselves, like integrating all the pieces of ourselves that don't feel like they're enough. And then also creating wholeness between us and the divine, God, source, spirit, and really seeing oneness there. So I think that there's like two layers. And 
one of the things that I know for me and like my own healing journey is this integration process has probably been one of the most transformative things I've ever done. And I didn't even really know that I needed to do it. So one of the videos that I was posting in the group was really talking about how we integrate these pieces of ourselves because we all have pieces of ourselves that we might have left behind that we think aren't worthy of belonging, that we kind of want to just leave in the past, pretend that that part of us never existed. (laughs) And when we're really talking about having deeper self-trust in ourselves or having deeper confidence in who we are, it's incredibly difficult to create those things when they're pieces of ourselves that we are not allowing at our table. So this whole process of integration has really um, created this foundation for a wholeness for me. And I don't think that there's... um, this place where maybe like we're completely 100% integrated. And I think that's an important piece to note because I think we have a tendency to perfect our, our healing and perfect our personal development. And until we're like 100% healed or 100% happy or 100% confident, then we haven't done enough, which I think is a complete bold-faced lie that we tell ourselves that keeps us from standing in our worthiness and in our enoughness. So I'm just going to throw that out there for you. <laughs> and that awareness really came up when I was reading The Gifts of Imperfection by Brene Brown. Like, I don't even know how long ago that was now, like maybe four years ago, where there's this um, small little line, small little line in one of the chapters where she talks about there's this fine line between self-improvement and perfection. And as I was reading this, it was like a huge light bulb went off. I was like, oh my goodness, (laughs) I have been trying to get to this place of absolute perfection instead of simply improving. And I think a lot of us who who kind of crave that, that deep authenticity, who crave to expand into our fullest selves, who want to live a brave life to expand into our potential, we're on that self-improvement train, right? And it's, I think it's very easy for us to get caught up in perfecting that train in order for us to feel like we've arrived. So just simply having that awareness of how I was kind of crossing over that line into perfection instead of just self-improvement was really helpful for me and kind of helped me kind of pull back and reflect on what it was I was really pursuing and how I was defining progress. Um, Because I think it's very easy for us to define progress as meeting these very strict (laughs) ideal requirements. And if we're not meeting those, then it's not good enough. Or when we internalize that, we're not good enough, right? So back to the whole integration process. You know, there's this part of me that I'm currently integrating this year. And it's just, it's so fascinating. And I kind of want to share a little bit more about my integration journey because it's been just so deeply healing for me. And there's been like these two distinct parts of me that I've really learned to love up on and gain, like build some really deep connection with these parts of myself. And they have offered me so much wisdom. And I think that's helped create that inner self-trust of integrating these pieces of myself instead of trying to keep them away from the table. So when I was... um, 
gosh, getting ready to go into private practice, I started having a lot of anxiety <laughs> that maybe going into private practice still wouldn't make me feel enough. So I started looking at all of these other degrees or letters that I could go and get behind my name because maybe, you know, helping others heal or become whole wasn't shiny enough or good enough um, for who I was supposed to be in the world, right? And so I started having a lot of anxiety around the decisions that I was making and really considering going back to school, which would have been a really long process. I'd already been in school for nine years at that point, and I was considering another degree that would take six. And there's just like a lot of pressure. And I was really trying to talk myself into going back to school because I thought that that was going to fix the not enough. So I went and I started seeing a therapist at the time, and she was like, you know, I, I think that maybe... <laughs> Um, you're, you're striving to make up for some piece of yourself that doesn't feel worthy. And that was the first time that anybody like really called me on my high achieverness, if that's a word, and made me like really reflect if the things I was pursuing were really coming from my soul or coming from this place of lack. And that, that one single conversation opened up a whole new healing journey for me that has totally transformed my life and my world. So um, I ended up taking that little piece and I ended up doing some integration work with another therapist. And one of the things that came up was there was like this rebel. <laughs> there was this rebel that came out when I was about 15 that kind of like had her middle finger up of like, you know, screw the rules. I'm not following the rules. I'm going to do things my way. I'm going to be who I am. I'm going to push against the system. And she was like so destructive um, in the way that she went about this <laughs> because, um, you know, she just went far, far off the beaten path to, to like prove, to prove her independence and to hustle for her independence. But what was really going on is that she was really hustling for her worth, right? She didn't feel like she was good enough as she was. Um, she felt a lot of pressure to be somebody that she wasn't. And so she really resisted that. And because of that, she did a lot of damaging things that really made me feel not so great about myself during that time. <clears throat> and so there was a lot of forgiveness work that had to happen then. But because I had had this like rebellious chapter of my life, there was a part of me that didn't really fully trust her, that I didn't trust this whole idea of being wild because being wild in the past had really gotten me in trouble. So that work was really learning to see her behaviors and um, her feelings, like the functions that she served for me. And it ended up being like this really beautiful relationship that I built with this rebellious side of me that not only let me forgive her and see her for who she was and accept her for who she was, but also gain the wisdom and the courage and the bravery that she owns. Like that is that when it comes to doing something of like, you need to not care what other people think, like that's the part of me that I tap into. And for the longest time, I didn't trust her <laughs> to tap into that. So I was limiting the amount of courage or bravery that I was, you know, acting upon in my life because I thought it was, it would get me in trouble because I had in the past. Right. So learning how to trust that piece of myself was huge. And I still refer, her, refer to her as a rebel to this day <laughs> because she just has this amazing rebellious spirit who loves to go against the system and who loves to um, like 
self-preserve more than anything in the world. Like that's a very important value for her. So that's the part of me that really helps me stay in integrity now, which is so interesting to me because in the past, like when I would shame her, um, <laughs> she, because she wasn't an in integrity for me, I really had to like bring her to the table and listen to the wisdom that she had and really start to see her through this other lens. So that was probably the first experience that I had with integrating that rebellious piece of me, learning how to trust her, learning how to access her, learning how to use her for good and learning how to channel, uh, channel her wisdom and courage and bravery has made such a big difference. But I think the more important thing though is that there isn't um, the shame associated with her anymore because I've done that healing work, that forgiveness work of really understanding where she was coming from, what she needed, and how I can give those things to her now. So I did that and then a couple of years went by and then this other part of me started to to rise up about not really being able to um, be as vulnerable as I wanted to be. And there was a strong need to control my life. Um, I really did not like to surrender, did not like to let go. I needed to have the plan, and it was also creating a lot of anxiety for me. So I went back to the same person that I did the integration work with before. And um, he was like, I think that we need to talk to your five-year-old self. And I was like, what? <laughs> five-year-old self? Like, what does she have to do with anything? And what was really interesting coming out of that work was there are so many messages that I started interpreting from a very young age around what it meant to feel, what was allowed, what wasn't. Um, and I really kind of, and I think this is like so fascinating from like a psychological standpoint when we start to look at like birth order and our family dynamics and our family system and all of this stuff and the roles that we play within our own family structure. And I'm the oldest of four. So it was really easy for me to take on this um, sense of responsibility from a really young age that I needed to grow up quickly. I needed to be more mature. There wasn't a lot of time for play or rest. Like it was kind of work mode. Um, growing up with a dad who had a really strong work ethic. I mean, there's so many things that you're integrating from a young age that you're not even aware of. But underneath all of that is that there wasn't really time to feel. So I started to think about emotions and I started to intellectualize things because that's what put me um, like on the same plane as adults of who I thought I was supposed to be. But it didn't give me a whole lot of permission to feel my feelings. And in fact, feeling my feelings was quite vulnerable. So learning to feel was a big a big journey um, in embracing vulnerability and how that has opened up so many beautiful areas of my life. Like I can't even put it into words of just being able to be present with myself, to hold space for myself, um, to be more compassionate with myself, to really give myself permission to feel what it is I'm feeling instead of shooting myself or trying to um, <clears throat> justify or rationalize or just or skip over the difficult parts to just get to the shiny pieces. And I think something really, really powerful happens when we're allowed to be present with our pain. 
when we're allowed to be present with our suffering, when we're allowed to, to sit and experience um, the depth and breadth of life, right? And I think that's another thing that really brought some of Brene Brown's work full circle for me, because if you've watched her talk about vulnerability, the power of vulnerability, she talks about how we can't selectively numb. And if we're trying to numb out the stuff that doesn't feel good, we're also numbing out the stuff that does. So this kind of increased my awareness of like, how am I doing this to myself? And the person, the part of me that needed the permission to experience her feelings was five-year-old me. And it was just so bizarre that she held like the lock and key to that part of myself because she was the one that was carrying those messages that it's, there's no time to feel basically. Right. And these messages, oh my gosh, like, these were never told to me by my parents. Like this is what my parents doing. Like this is, you know, we all have ways of interpreting our own life experiences. And when we're five, six, seven years old, we don't have the cognitive maturity to understand a lot of the very mature dynamics that are happening within a family. And so we make up stories um, because that's what, that's what our brain is meant to do to make sense of information. And I think the problem is, is that we're so limited in our capacity to really make um, sound sense of information when we're that young, that if we never go back and look at what messages were we taught back then, we can be living from those same messages today. And when we go back and we, we look at those messages, we start to rewrite those messages, we start to reclaim those messages, especially on a foundation of permission, it opens up how we're experiencing our lives today. So the second piece of that integration was really like looking at what she needed, like what kind of parenting did she need back then from me? Like I'm, I'm reparenting her, right? Of, of telling her it's okay to feel, like it's okay to slow down. It's okay to play. Like there's so many things in that for me. And it's just been this really beautiful relationship that I've built with my, my inner child and bringing her to the table. So now when things get really serious or really heavy in my life, I will have a conversation with her like, you know, what do we need? What do we need to do right now? And she always has the best advice for me. So that's the second part of the integration process of becoming whole, bringing her to the table. So what's happened this year, which I'm still very much in the process of now, is I am integrating uh, the church girl me the little girl who sat in those pews every Sunday. I'm really understanding what the concept of God meant, what it meant to be holy, um, what it meant to go to heaven, what it meant. I mean, all of these religious messages that I was trying to make sense of when I was really, really young, what it meant to be a woman. Oh my gosh, I think <laughs> that is like such a loaded question and uh, a loaded concept that little church girl me has the answers to. And I think she's carrying a lot of messages around what it means to be a, a holy woman. And that's been the journey this year of really looking like reintegrating her for forming a relationship with her first and foremost, because that's, that has to happen first of really, um, building this connection with this piece of ourselves, we kind of maybe left behind, which I definitely left behind church girl me. I was like, girl, you can live by those rules if you want to, but that's not me anymore. And now finally being ready to go and re-explore those messages with the wisdom I have now. And I think that 
doing this integration piece is going to open up so much for me when it comes to redefining womanhood. And I have no idea what's going to come from that journey. But I look towards some of the women that I know have done this work. They might not talk about it as far as integration work um, or becoming whole, but I look at women who are being braver in the world and using their voices and being an agent of love and an agent of change. And I know that they have redefined what it means to be a woman um, in their own way. So that's the part of me that I'm really... um, journeying with right now is church girl Megan, the little girl that sat in those pews of really um, helping her to discern the messages that she got back then and what that really means for her now. So all this to say, um, integration work is so incredibly powerful. I have some of my best friends doing this work right now of really integrating, um, you know, their teenage self or their younger child. It's like there's, there can be so many different pieces of us, you know, um, and it's all going to be different for each of us, which I think is the cool thing. So some of this is the work that I do with some of my clients of helping them um, tune into the wisdom of a part of themselves that maybe they long for, ache for even, um, that they no longer are, or even um, integrating parts of themselves that they don't feel are enough. And all of it is so valuable and important and potent to being able to trust yourself more fully, to to be more confident, to be more convicted in who you are. Because you understand, you see both sides of these pieces of yourself and you integrate the wisdom that they have to offer you. So I don't think anything is as, is as um, important as self-reflection work, <laughs> really like reflecting on your life, reflecting on the messages you're living, the stories that you're living by, which is probably why like Brene's work speaks to me so much. And Glennon's work is like, it's really <clears throat> looking at the stories that we have created about parts of our lives, chapters of our lives, pieces of ourselves, and how we reclaim that storyline to become more whole. And that all leads me to creating more oneness with the divine source, spirit, God, right? So, oh my goodness, there is so much (laughs) to this level that I'm still so very much exploring But I know that there is a direct relationship between our own wholeness with ourselves and creating self-love and the sense of deep worthiness and also exploring our divinity of what it means to be one with God, what it means to be divine, um, what it means to have the divine live within us and start to trust the way that 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 energy, that entity is communicating with us. I think that that's probably why Wild and Holy has come to the forefront for me this year of really looking at, so we've done all of this beautiful integration work with ourselves and becoming whole, which is such a huge foundation for self-esteem and self-value and self-worth, which greatly, greatly changes the way that you not only walk through the world, but show up in the world. And when we kind of bring that to this layer of oneness with the divine, I mean, that's like, that's the cherry on top of this whole beautiful Sunday of really knowing, like tapping into your limitlessness, right? Um, Knowing that anything is possible. And that's when I think things get so incredibly exciting of really looking at who, who you're here to become and what you're here to do. 
And that's the exploration um, that continues to expand forever and ever and ever more. And I think that's just such a wild ride to have this, this relationship with your own divinity of really tuning into where you're being called and where you're being led and allowing your life to just feel guided, you know, um, to, to know that you're supported at all times, to know that there is nothing that will be put on your heart that is not possible for you and learning to trust where your soul is pointing you. <laughs> and that's another thing that's come up this week in wild and holy truth is that we've talked about, um, triggers and healing and layers of healing and how it can be so frustrating when something we thought we had healed comes back up to the surface and we're like, what in the world? I thought I dealt with you. Why are you coming back up? And, you know, along my own journey, there's been this concept that your truth will always rise. And what that means to me is that your soul will always point you to the thing that needs more healing, the thing that needs your attention, the thing that won't let you go, the thing that is, is calling you to explore, right? Um, and that is very much the case for the healing journey because healing happens in, in layers, just like forgiveness does. Like it's not a one and done process. It's we do, we do the healing that is available to us at any given time with the wisdom that we have now. And then we go on, our, our life journey and we have more life experiences and we integrate some more and then another layer will come up that's available for us for deeper healing. And that's the thing about triggers. Like I think a lot of times <laughs> we like to think of triggers as like this negative thing. And sometimes they're very vulnerable because we just, there's such a strong desire to want to be okay. And that's kind of comes back to this full circle moment of trying to perfect our like personal growth and personal healing journey. Like we just want to be to this place where we're okay, 100%, all good, never have to worry about it again. And then when we realize that that's not totally true, <laughs> we think, well, maybe I didn't do something well enough back then, or maybe I'm not, I'm, um, will always have this with me, right? So I think it's incredibly helpful um, and opening to look at triggers as just your soul pointing you to something that needs your attention. That's all that's happening here. <laughs> and if we can hold that space with a little bit more grace and compassion, th things get a little bit easier. But I totally understand the frustration when something reemerges and you're like, oh, I thought I dealt with you. I just want to be done with you and move on. Um, but I think that's where learning how to embrace vulnerability can be so helpful because we learn that we can be in those hard spaces with ourselves. We can be in the painful spaces. We can be in the uncomfortable places that maybe don't necessarily feel good and still know that we're okay. And I think when it comes to becoming more whole, which is one of the goals of our soul is to know that it's whole. Um, that's, that's one of the main components of being able to do the integration work of sitting with the parts of yourself that still don't feel enough or that still are carrying these messages that don't line up with your, with your values now. For instance, like if I go into like my MO of five-year-old me, like she loves to hustle, man. She loves to get stuff done, pile on her plate. She finds a lot of worthiness in her productivity. So if I'm not really mindful, I slide back into that super easily. <laughs> and I have to go back and remind her saying, this isn't the only way that we can get stuff done. This isn't the only way that we can work. Um, it's, it's safe to slow down. It's, it's safe to take some things off your plate. It's safe to say no to some things. It's safe to push some things off, right? 
case in point, pushing off Wild and Holy Live this year. Like I really had to have a conversation with that, my five-year-old self of saying, like, it's okay. It's okay to be present for this chapter right now of needing to be present for these little babies and knowing that that's just as important and sacred as bringing this whole beautiful group of wild and holy women together for an event that is just going to build the deepest connection within themselves and with each other. Like that's still going to happen. Um, we just kind of have to be a little bit more patient with it, right? And so learning how to like <laughs> have these conversations with these parts of yourself really help you give yourself more permission to just kind of ease into whatever is coming up for you and what it, whatever feels in deep integrity for you at this moment in time. So this um, this work is just so incredibly transformative. Of And I think like one of the most helpful things about it is it almost like externalizes these things for ourselves. So like when we're feeling a lot of pressure uh, or like pressure to succeed or pressure to, to go as fast as we can or whatever that is, it can be really helpful saying, you know, what part of me, what part of me feels like this is the only way and really tuning into that part of yourself, why she or he is carrying that message and the permission that we need to give that part of ourselves to kind of let go a little bit, to relax, to not worry. Um, that's been just so helpful for me. <clears throat> so I just kind of wanted to share some of the nuggets that are coming up in Wild and Holy Truth so far. Um, you know, talking about the things that get in the way of truth is really when we have parts of ourselves that we have shunned or <laughs> um, we're not bringing to our table. It's so incredibly hard to know what your truth is because we try and overcompensate for parts of ourselves that don't feel enough, right? So that's why I think that it's so incredibly powerful to do this wholeness work because it creates a purity for your striving. It creates a purity for your dreams and desires because you're no longer working from this place of not enough or this place of incomplete or this place of lack because you already have that foundation of wholeness and, and oneness there, which um, allows you to work and expand from um, just a, a more healed place, more whole integrated place. And I think that's when we start to really open up into like our purest purpose. And I think that's for me, how I've really been able to open so far to where I feel I'm being guided and called. So it's all so related, you guys, <laughs> of walking in your truth and doing this, this integration work. Um, and I'm just so grateful that I get to help people do this. And it's always interesting um, the ways that it shows up for every single person, but it's always so healing and transformative. So I love that we're starting, you know, this concept of holiness with wholeness and what that really looks like and what that really means and integration and all these things, because this is really what allows us the permission to be wildly who we are. <laughs> so I will see you guys next week. I have a beautiful conversation with you uh, or for you. Um, with a beautiful guest who I can't wait to introduce you to. And I will see you again soon for another episode of Wild and Holy Radio. I hope you have a beautiful, powerful start to your week. Thanks for tuning in to another episode on Wild and Holy Radio. We talked about a lot on this episode. And if it's resonating for you and you want to do your own wholeness and integration work, 
and really connect this to your own trust and faith and convictions so you can show up braver in the world, I would love to invite you to work with me one-on-one, which you can find out more about on megan-hale.com or just go and check out the show notes where I give you all of that information. And likewise, if you think this episode would be helpful for somebody you know, please pass this along to them. And I would love for you to leave a quick review on iTunes, which is so helpful in helping us share the love on Wild and Holy Radio. I'll see you next week for another episode.